0: Welcome to the fourth episode of our podcast series named The Most Important Issues in Business Crime, where we ask leading business crime experts from around the world to tell us about the most important topics you need to know about. The object is to briefly identify the most important issues, but not to catalog every potential one. Today our episode focuses on recently announced initiatives by the U.S. Department of Justice about its efforts to crack down on corporate crime, which are obviously really important developments for corporations, boards, executives, and employees. I'm very excited to be joined by three of my partners, Adam Lurie and Richard Smith, both former DOJ prosecutors and experienced defense lawyers in the US, and Alison Saunders, who joins us from London. She was formerly the most senior public prosecutor in England and Wales and we're really happy to hear what she has to say about these U.S. developments from a non-U.S. perspective. Thank you all so much for doing this. Let's let's jump right in, Adam. Please tell us about the new developments. What are they?
1: Thanks, Doug, and really appreciate the chance to talk to everybody. Last week, the Justice Department made a really, really big series of announcements. Uh, It was a bit like a buffet of DOJ enforcement announcements. Many people who follow this space will know that over the last two, three years, the Justice Department has made a series of separate announcements about, among other things, how they're going to prosecute individuals and focus on individual prosecution, how they will incentivize companies to voluntarily disclose misconduct, the kind of information uh, and conduct that they'll consider in whether or not to prosecute a company or award a deferred prosecution agreement or a declination. Uh, What the Justice Department thinks about companies that allow their employees to use personal devices. And so, Doug, over the last, as I said, couple of years, the Justice Department has announced a series of policies. Last week, the Justice Department sought to bring it all together. uh, And they did it by announcing probably, I think what Richard will talk about, more sticks than carrots. It was a comprehensive speech by the Deputy Attorney General where she walked through each of these policies and explained the Justice Department's current thinking. So for example, she explained the Justice Department's current thinking and policy around individual accountability and said, for instance, and reiterated, that is really critical. And the Justice Department's goal will be to bring cases against individuals uh, before or at the same time when they announce uh, resolutions against companies. Similarly, with respect to voluntary disclosure, uh, the Justice Department made even more clear that for companies who voluntarily disclose, and if there aren't aggravating circumstances, the presumption is going to be that a company will not have to plead guilty to any crime. Uh, Similarly, with respect to personal devices, which the government, the Justice Department has said a number of uh, important things over the last year or two, the Justice Department made really Clear that that is going to be a very important factor in evaluating a company's compliance program. And on that last point on a company's compliance program, the, the guidance that uh, the Justice Department announced last week walked through in more detail what's expected, what's frowned upon, and, and made some news as well. One of the areas where the, they made some news is on the area of employee compensation or officer and director compensation. Now, many companies, as part of their compliance program, seek to incentivize their employees to engage in compliant behavior that might fit into their evaluation, it figures into their comp. But really, Justice Department made clear that if you don't, if you're a company and you don't seek to potentially claw back compensation from a wrongdoer, or include that kind of information in an evaluation, it's going to be held against you. And so the takeaway for me, Doug, was that Justice Department sought to bring it all together. A lot of information packaged uh, at once and some new information that the way I took it was the Justice Department is really looking to incentivize not so much through uh, the carrots and sweeteners, but warning companies that there will be consequences if they don't follow these policies. Um, I'll turn it back to you, Doug.
0: Adam, thank you. That's uh, a really good summary of a lot of issues that I, you know, have been tried to, you know, bring things together for everyone to understand, and I think really important developments. I guess one question as I turn to Richard is, you know, on a practical note, what should corporations and their personnel be thinking about? Is there something they need to change? Is there some part of the approach they had that they need to alter given the these recent developments, Richard?
2: Yes, Doug, thank you so much. And Adam, thanks for your very good summary here. In light of DOJ's renewed focus on individual prosecution and renewed emphasis on the importance of compliance programs, now is the time to go back and look at your policies and your procedures and assess if whether or not they are going to line up with what DOJ is expecting you to do. For example, if your employment policies and procedures does not include language that puts executives on notice that if they engage in improper conduct, that leads to regulatory environment that their pensions and and compensation can be clawed back. You might want to consider now now's the time to re- revise that policy so that everyone knows that if they do encourage attorneys to blind eye to improper conduct, they face financial penalties from the company as well. Secondly, you know, now it's the time to have an investigative protocol in place, especially when you think about DOJ's assessment of cooperation and you think about your operations that are overseas, you can no longer just say, well, I couldn't produce data because of the data privacy laws that block concession that exist. You now need to think about what alternatives should we have in place ahead of time so that if we need to make a production or produce evidence, have the ability to do that. Also now is the time to really consider that if you're allowing your employees or staff to use apps that can encrypt their conversations or use their telephones, that that kind of behavior lot will count against you in DOJ's assessment, whether that you fully cooperated. And then lastly, you can no longer be, you know, dilatory or, you know, respond slowly if there is a regulatory crisis or investigation that you need to conduct. You need to make a judgment call very quickly if you need to disclose this to the U.S. Attorney's Office or at DOJ and then know that if you're going to make a disclosure, you volunteer and signing up to do full, complete, thorough disclosure to DOJ, which means any and all relevant conduct that you discover in your investigation that's not protected by turning client privilege. You need to be prepared to turn it over and turn it over sooner rather than later. And it makes it pretty clear that if you fail to turn stuff over in a timely fashion, that can penalize you, which basically kind of puts you on the clock for you and your outside counsel to figure out what the conduct was, who the bad actors were, and then how do we, if we're going to cooperate and make a voucher disclosure, maximize the ability to get the benefit of the disclosure and avoid the penalties for not being able to disclose stuff in a timely fashion. So it doesn't allow, it just basically means it's time to rethink how you're going to approach regulatory issues before they happen. Have a game plan in place to ensure that you can respond in a timely and appropriate manner and then provide relevant information so that you can maximize the benefits. Otherwise, you run the risk of making a positive disclosure and then not getting the benefit that you have the bargain that you're looking for, which will be a travesty. So, from my perspective, it's saying to the industries that they need to now go back, evaluate what we're currently doing, and then think about if you're in a heavily regulated environment, is our program and the South policies up this level of others in the industry? Because when DOJ is considering business conduct, they don't consider, well, if you're in an industry where it's heavily regulated, what's everyone else doing? And if you fall below the regulatory standards in the industry, it's going to hurt you. Uh, so now it's time to make sure that your programs and your operations are compliant, but also it's measure of what the industry standards would be for that area of business to ensure that if DOJ evaluates your program, evaluates how you handle the business, you can check those boxes. Back to you, Doug.
0: Richard, thank you. Um, so, I mean, Richard, Adam and I sort of live and breathe these issues every day: self-disclosure, privilege waiver, individual, you know, culpability, um, compensation clawbacks. But you know, we're a global firm, and I want to turn to Allison because you know, there's a lot of hopefully uh, non-US corporates who do business in the US that are listening. And Allison, I'm I'm interested in you know your perspective as a former prosecutor in the UK. What are the important takeaways for non u s corporates are there are there things that you're that you hear and you think that non u s corporates need to be aware of and think about
3: i think um thanks doug and i think for um any international corporates be they american or or non american um there are similarities and there are differences which they need to think about um so for example Um, the US guidance is much more robust, much more um, comprehensive and quite clear. Whereas the UK guidance has always been um, less specific, I think, and gives more flexibility. So for example, on the voluntary self-disclosure, it's really apparent from um, the US guidance that you really got to think about getting in there and self-disclosing as soon as you can. Whereas in the UK, you can still get a deferred prosecution agreement without self-disclosing. We've seen that companies have really tried very hard not to self-disclose, but have then managed to get a um, a, um, uh, don't have to enter a guilty plea and have got a a deferred prosecution. So there's quite a difference there and that needs a lot of thinking. So if you're a a corporate that operates across jurisdictions, that's where you need to think about both perhaps UK, US or any other jurisdictions Um, Likewise, prosecuting individuals, the SFO here have really sort of said that their focus is on making sure that they prosecute individuals. Um, They have not been successful in that so far, and indeed we've seen very few individuals even attempted to be prosecuted, let alone being successfully prosecuted after the corporate has had a deferred prosecution agreement. But what we have seen this week is the government has issued um, an economic crime bill yet to see whether it will be implemented or not, which extends the SFO section two compulsory powers from corporates to individuals. So that's quite a big difference um, for our jurisdiction. So again, it's sort of, you know, that that's a something that corporates are, Um, operate across jurisdictions really need to think about and should be getting advice about if they end up under that sort of compulsory powers in the UK, what does it mean in the US, for example? So I think there's lots of similarities, but there are significant differences, which really mean you should take advantage of the sort of, you know, the ability of firms like Linklaters particularly to um, give that cross-jurisdictional advice.
0: Yes, Alison, that's what I was thinking. And I think just hearing you point out the difference in approaches um makes me, you know, think about how important it is to have a firm that has people all over the world like we do. But it also makes me appreciate how interesting this practice is. Uh and I know it's definitely difficult, difficult for clients um but having, you know, advisors from the different jurisdictions is really important. And I think you've put your finger on a couple of the major differences and I really appreciate you joining us for that. Uh, well, let, me thank, you know, let me thank you and, and Adam and Richard. I, there's so much more we could say about this. We, we did write uh, a brief alert about the DOJ development. It's on the website, and we'll probably put a link in here, hopefully. Um, but if you have any questions, please do reach out to us. I hope you found this interesting. Um, and I would have put a plug in finally for my three previous episodes of this podcast and hope that you'll join us again. So thanks everybody for doing this, hope everybody's safe and sound, bye.